What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All at War, episode number 141. Oh, is it? It is, 141, man. Nice. You know, I was thinking about it. We're, we, if you include all the ones we, we do with the private podcast, we'd be in like the 150s, somewhere in there, nice. which is yeah. a lot. I mean, it's a lot. Mm. You know, not as I mean, some people do like multiple a week. Yeah. You know, some of these podcasts do every day because they're news oriented or whatever. Yeah. But um, anyways, what's up, Rosie? How you doing? I'm doing good. It's a good day. It is a good day. Yeah. Last couple of weeks have been really good. Yeah. We've had the most gorgeous fall in this area of the country, this Virginia area where we live, that we've had in years. Like the colors and the weather yeah. have been I w- amazing. I, w- I wish it was colder. It's been too hot for me. Yeah. Well, it like got, today was nice. Today it, got, it was in the 40s. Yeah, it was in the 40s. Perfect weather. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I was raking leaves today, mm-hmm. you know, doing the whole keep the yard nice. Yeah, I don't have to worry about that. You That's don't. What... It's really nice for you. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what do you know, man? Oh, crap. While you're looking for that, uh, Rachel won't be with us on this episode, but uh, she'll be back, I guess, some, at some point. She's got a lot going on in her personal life, family, and after her move and everything. So yeah. anyways. So you the, you might actually know this. Okay. But <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I It's a, good. Did you know that Sylvester Graham, who was a 19th century antebellum American reformer, spoke out in favor of healthy living, which included avoiding meats, alcohol, and too much sexual activity. He created the Graham Cracker, <laughs> which is a bland cracker in <laughs> order to bland. stop the need for sexual intimacy. What? Yeah, yeah. So the, if, if, I do, if I eat Graham crackers, I won't want to have sex with my wife? Yes. What? <laughs> I don't we know. must have read the Graham crackers yeah, from all of my house. Yeah. So it says Sylvester Graham was an American pr- minister, preached on temperance uh. and stressed a whole wheat flour and vegetarian diets. Gay. <laughs> um, he was known for his Graham crackers. His Graham Journal of Health and Longevity preached the principles of good health. He compared people physiologically to orangutans. Nice. Uh, concluded that vegetarian food was natural for both primates. No gay. Uh, Graham had many devoted followers known as Grahamites who slavishly followed his principles, which included temperance, sexual restraint, and baths based. Baths. I do like uh, a good bath. In addition to v- vegetarianism, gay. He was so famous that his lectures on proper living were attended by thousands and he was able to hold his audiences spellbound. He had many disciples who also worked diligently to further the vegetarian cause. Um, yeah. So it said... Uh, Let's go. Graham argued uh, that in order to help (laughs) resist uh, (laughs) epidemics to get over, he was anti-vax, which was based. Yeah. uh, He didn't like big city life. Um, That's good. Where I just had it. He's just off a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the vegetarian thing. Yeah. uh, But uh, basically, yeah, I'm trying to like find exactly a way to word it but uh yes in order to stop people from engaging in sexual activity married and unmarried married why would he want to stop that because he's weird of vegetarian that's why you shouldn't be a vegetarian because if you eat too if you're a vegetarian you you get brain brain damage you get brain damage (laughs) you get worms in your brain that eat and it doesn't make sense um (laughs) 
I don't think you're going to be able to stop the se- the human sex drive. I just don't think. No, you, you know how you know, like all for all those men and women who are not married and trying to remain pure, and we've done t- a bunch of episodes on porn. Right. Yeah. We failed you because we <laughs> never told you the only way to rid yourself of the struggle with pornography and the other stuff that comes with that is eating graham crackers. So and that's you know, where they're invented. It's November too. They have the no, the don't, no, the, don't say it. The no. <laughs> yes, I know what you're saying. Yes, I don't think we can say the name of it. Not on this episode. Not yeah. on this on the private. We could. But if you yeah. no no number no November that they always have all these different no shave November no everything November right one of them is no fat yeah well yeah does that no fat November. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to bring up even more questions. I know, right? Uh, Urban Dictionary, kids. Yeah. Anyway, so if you are struggling with porn and masturbation, eat graham crackers instead. <laughs> oh, man. Anytime. Put them in milk. Say, be gone, Satan. I got my graham crackers. Take put, What you do is you get a blender. You put some broccoli, some graham Ugh. crackers. You just blend them up. And Kale. You, yeah, and then you have your, your, your food the for the most disgusting day. food ever. <laughs> <laughs> Only a vegetarian would come up with that. Right. That's Again, the Because they got poop in their heads, <laughs> their brains. Uh, all right. Well. <laughs> Did you know that before? That graham crackers I, I had, were. So I had heard, I thought it was Nabisco, but I guess it was graham cracker. Or maybe it was Kellogg was trying to do the same thing with the uh, oh, uh, cereal. Uh, with the car- Frosted Flakes. Or Frosted or, Flakes. Or, yeah. or no, Corn Flakes. Corn Flakes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'd heard that one. But the Graham one was, so that's new to me. So that's yeah. that's a more, but the fact that he was a minister too, that's yeah. just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a whole movement in the like 1800s, early 1900s yeah. that was um, this aesthetic of, you know, they were really experimenting with some spiritual weird stuff. Um to there's a second great awakening right there was a second great awakening that happened yeah uh the azusa street revival things like that out in california and where like the stories of that are crazy too if you read about them um where people were like walking down the street they and there was preaching going on and they would get near the door and be overwhelmed with conviction Hmm. and fall on their knees and repent like not even hearing just being near the building it was like like you know, the presence of God, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, I can't. Uh, I thought that that's what they called it. The um, yeah, the Second Great Awakening. No, but I thought the the crazy spiritual spiritualist movement. That's what it was yes. called, the spiritualist movement. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Second Great Awakening was probably response to that. Probably, yeah, something was going on there. I think, yeah, and the same thing happened in the '60s. Yeah, with the hippies and stuff, and then then the uh, Jesus freaks that were all saved and stuff. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, all right, man. Well, we got a great episode. It's going to be on dreams. So, as I always say, sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Yes, you are. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right man one time i i should uh uh yeah anyway so we're gonna have to talk about drink- <laughs> okay I, I was gonna say something and i changed my mind like okay. halfway through that's the problem with being an extrovert is that you you oftentimes will think uh you'll speak as you're thinking yeah uh and that my wife can attest to this like a lot of my um 
I process through talking. Yeah. So sometimes when I'm trying to f- figure out solutions to problems and things like that, I'm going to talk it through mm-hmm. rather than think it through. Whereas like my wife, she's a thinker. And so she'll think about it before she even opens her mouth. And then when she opens her mouth, it's been almost every possible, you know, response has been already thought through. Yeah. That's why she's never wrong <laughs> in, in, our, in our disagreements and arguments. <laughs> Not that we have very many, but. Right, right. Um, so, but she's been, she's learned to allow me to process verbally. Mm-hmm. And it helps me and it helps her too, because she can kind of know how I think and, um, and we end up getting to the same place. It just a lot of words on my side. Yeah. A lot of silence on her side. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like me and you. Yeah. <laughs> so this this episode of Dreams, it's, um, gosh, man, I, I talked to you about doing an episode like this on this topic a while ago. And when I did, I was like, uh, I didn't realize the onion we were going <laughs> to peel back there's so much to the topic of dreams in particular when you start to um look at it from different angles like like you were saying the scientific and then you have the secular and then you have the christian and um you know uh there's so many angles Mm -hmm. to approach it and so it was making it challenging for for us you and i to figure out like how do we hone this down i think we have a decent yeah you know kind of outline for it I just like, because you're like, I want to do it on dreams. And I was like, yeah, we should. And then I was like, I don't know how we're going to structure it. Because I started, I was like, oh, we should talk about this and this and this and this. And then you you have this book that we're also, is so incredible. That is for something totally else. But I think it's going to be perfect. Yeah, it'll be perfect. And so. It's, It's however God wants it to be. So I do, yeah, and here's the thing. Like, I realized this today, too, you know, when I was thinking about stuff. I was raking leaves thinking about the podcast a little bit. And um, and one of the things that I was thinking about with it was that how dreams literally affect everyone. Yeah. The young, the old, the saved, the unsaved. It doesn't matter what culture, rich or poor, it really doesn't matter because it's something that is like an internal thing that happens with a person. And what's amazing is that you know, I think which is really cool is that, you know, when I look at it from my point of view, my vantage point, which is going to be from a Christian, pan, you know, vantage point, from a biblical worldview, um, God used, used and uses dreams throughout the Bible a lot. Yeah. He uses dreams in the lives of his people a lot, and even those that aren't his people. And so it's really cool. So that, that'll be the fun part uh, when we get into this. That'll be the fun part of uh, kind of, and we're going to get into the, like some unique things biblically, you know, different stories. But um, why don't we start with the scientific side of it first, and yeah. then we'll move to the spiritual side of it after that. Yeah. Uh, so you had some. Black of, yeah. So first, uh, yeah, I was thinking, I'm just going to read, uh, what do you, the scientists that, uh, so this is like what the mainstream, like not, um very materialist look at like what a dream is because this sort of touches on consciousness Mm -hmm. which is something that scientists always go back and forth on right what it is we don't really know and i think you brought up some good questions later on that uh we'll start an interesting conversation because i think we 
I know I definitely have some different views that maybe <laughs> for better or worse, whatever. But anyway, so this is like a, what I'm going to start off with this I'm about to read is a very uh, like this is what scientists in the brain with the chemicals. This is, you know, what a dream is. Right. Sure. So it says in REM sleep, which is the uh, rapid eye movement, which is a, the deepest form right. of sleep when you get into there. Yeah. It says it is believed. A horrible band, too, by the way. What? I love, I, I legitimately like R.E.M. I can't even believe that. They have a song called Orange Crush. Yes. I've and I love it. Orange Soda. So what? That's just, it's still a bad song. It's, they're a bad band. I, I did like not it. like R.E.M. Really? They tried so hard to be like alternative. <laughs> <laughs> they were. Michael, what is Michael Stipe, I think is it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they had like one good song. Dude, I, I like a bunch of their songs. Yeah. That sucks for you. Yeah. I feel bad. I'll, sure. I'll pray for you. <laughs> pray for me. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah. So in REM sleep, it's believed that we experience our most vivid dreams. Studies have shown that dreaming is controlled by forebrain, F-O-R-E-B-R-A-A-I-N. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I'm getting PTSD from trying to read from like last week when we were reading through the, the <laughs> Talmud stuff. It's this yeah. room, man. We need to cleanse this room. I can speak English. Studies have found that dreaming is controlled by four brain mechanisms, which influence our speech, abstract thought, and pleasure. And the REM stage of sleep is controlled by the brain stem, which helps regulate our heartbeat and breathing in a chain of reactions. The brain stem can stimulate the forebrain and cause dreams to occur. Hmm. Scientists have also found that as we dream that amygdala, amygdala, amygdala brain. Oh yeah. my gosh, dude, I'm getting... Talmud PTSD for these <laughs> words. The amygdala, the part of the brain that deals with emotion, is more active than it is when we are awake. Um, as we will see later on, this is the key to understand the meaning of the dreams. Yeah. So basically, it's chemical reactions. That's all it is. And you should be stupid. Like, there's no reason. What he's saying is there's no reason to, like, take anything from it. It's just your brain <laughs> from a scientific doing standpoint. the stuff. And yeah. it's like they'll talk about, like, it's just cleaning out. It's like a process of cleaning out for the next. It's defragging your brain. Defragment. Yeah, that's a great one. I'm surprised <laughs> you know what defragging is. Um, yeah, so that's a very thing. It's chemicals, just cleaning out crap that you thought about. So and it does, a, there's no real purpose to so it. So they're it's basically just, saying that it's like no different than like your kidneys or your liver yeah, doing cleaning, its functions. Yeah, it's just, that's what it is. Uh, that's just what it does. Uh, um, so that's. So I guess we could just end the episode. All right, cool. Yeah, there you good. go. That's Christians, dreams, God is good. <laughs> God made your brain, and your brain does that, and there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, so moving on from the scientific one uh, point of view, uh, where it kind of gets more interesting, is basically if you look into uh, you being the proverbial anyone, Anyone listening to this, you <laughs> sitting across from me, me, you, you hearing you, this, yeah. Anyone, uh, if you look into um, any kind of dream uh, interpretation dictionaries, there's a lot yeah. online. You know, you can look up. I, I I've done it. Yeah, uh, you got to be careful with those, though. Yeah, a lot uh, of new age stuff. Uh, it is. Floating. Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah. So basically, the two there's two kind of schools of thought that came from, and I'll say respectable, you know, air quotes, <laughs> as psychoanalysis of like 
basically doctors came up with these two different, but there's two very distinct different kinds of interpretations of dreams and getting into these two doctors. Um, Sigmund Freud is one of them. And then Carl Jung is the other. Yeah. Sigmund Freud came first. Um, he was older and Carl Jung, he was basically, Freud was established as a psychoanalyst, a psychiatrist. Um, and then Jung came uh, underneath him. They uh, said the first time they ever met, they spoke for 13 hours straight. Oh my gosh. And they just like came intensely. I didn't realize they were that connected. Oh yeah. And then they were good friends. They traveled <clears throat> to America. Uh, Freud had even said uh, he was the Moses and Carl Jung was... Uh, his, uh, Aaron or Joshua? Joshua, that uh, he would, I think it was Joshua, the exact quote. But basically, he was the one that was setting up everything. But yeah. He wasn't going to see the fulfillment of it. Right. And uh, Young, he thought, was going to come in usher and it in. usher yeah. it in and actually get to see the fruition of you know getting to the promised land. Interesting. And then they had a big falling out. Oh. And <laughs> so there is... Freud had these two other uh, two students. This other guy named uh, I think it was William Adler. Um, I don't have my, this in the notes, but uh, they both him and Carl Jung had different interpretations of Freud, and Freud mm. was so upset at Jung that he actually like said Ad Adler doesn't have this is dumb, but it's better than Jung because at <laughs> least uh, wow at least Adler like his stuff is wrong. But, like, the way that he's thinking about it is, like, respectable. Carl, and then he's, like, Carl over there. Like, the dude's, like, an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Everything's stupid. He's just stupid. Like, right. it was something like that. You know, I never would have dreamed <laughs> they would have a falling out. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I want to read an excerpt from uh, – I'm trying to pull it up. So – one of the the biggest I'm trying to think these are also just for anyone listening that studied psychiatry, studied psychology, I am going to be distilling huge implications right. like very, very big concepts into very small things just so we can work on because they're yeah, not that's what I was going to ask you. Do you have like yeah, a yeah. synopsis of I, what Freud thought and yeah, that's what, what I'm trying yeah. To, yeah. Okay. so Freud and uh this. I'm just going to read this this quote this part about him and then it'll make sense. So it said Freud relation Freud's relationship with his mother was also complex. Amalia Freud was described as young, attractive and energetic. She always take took great pride in her son who and was strong, positive and a great influence throughout his life. Later in life he wrote that a man who has been the indistinguishable favorite of his mother keeps for life the feeling of a conqueror, the confidence of success that often induces real success. Hmm. During Freud's self-analysis around the year 1897, he uncovered profound memories from his earliest years. Sometime between the ages of two and a half and four years old, Freud accidentally saw his mother naked. This event awakened a powerful desire in Freud. Shortly after recovering this memory, he remembered his deep jealousy that he had felt when his brother Julius was born shortly before Freud was two years old. So jealous was Freud that he remembered welcoming the death of his infant brother, which is crazy for a two-year-old. 
Each of these incidents certainly had an impact on Freud's theory of the Oedipus complex. Surprisingly, however, during the first two and a half years of Freud's life, he actually spent very little time with his mother since he was being raised by a nursemaid. Um, so yeah, he, he saw so, his he saw his mama naked. So he saw his mom naked. Yeah, and, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Loud? What does it say? I don't know what it says. Oh. <laughs> I was looking for something to throw in there because oh. I don't have like a. That's all I got. I mean, we can just have a serious podcast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I like the buttons. Yeah, it's okay. So from that, that's just crazy. because Freud again uncovered in his unconscious this memory that may or may not happen. Right. Basically, everything with Freud is sexual. I so that's what I was gonna say. All your sex dreams so go to Freud for your interpretation. It's not even sex dreams. It's every single thing <laughs> that you do, everything that drives a human being, everything that drives literally everything is sex. Dude, him and Graham would not have gotten along. No. <laughs> you know, I didn't I wasn't thinking when I picked the did you know, but it, it goes so well. It perfect. Yeah, it's perfect setup. Graham would have been like, so Freud and <laughs> Right. <laughs> Can I get you something to eat? Yeah. So that's where Freud, everything comes down to sex, and it comes down to the you, uh, the Oedipus complex, which is yeah. every boy wants to kill his father and have sex with his mother. And then yeah. every girl okay. wants to have sex with her dad. Yeah. So speaking as a boy, yeah, never had that thought in my life. No. Not once. <laughs> no. I can, and I know a lot of other men that were boys that, that thought never entered their mind. Right. But that's, and so a lot of this, the, the whole thing I'm getting at is Freud basically. And people can say what they want about him. Sure. Like, oh, he's great or whatever. But I think he was just a weirdo that like, and this yeah. is not my own opinion. Other people way smarter than me have come to this conclusion that he was just so obsessed with sex that like he, he's like some pervert who's like, everyone else has to. <laughs> like if, if I, if I want to have sex with my mom, everyone wants to have sex with your mom. Cause you want to, normalize it mm-hmm. and gosh where do i see that happening in culture yeah, today exactly yeah so for him every single and he wrote all these dreams but that's the basis yeah of it carl Jung is totally different and i'm gonna uh read uh what did he st- want to have sex with uh i don't know <laughs> but here's uh, i'm just kidding no it's okay um so I will just uh, skip down since I actually wasn't thinking about talking about that. So Freud and Jung on dreams. So here's some. Freud had a perspective on dreams that saw them from the outside after the fact as reported or remembered later on by the patient. In his 1900 book, um, in the year written in the year 1900, The Interpretation of Dreams, Freud described his approach to dream analysis that introduced psychological meaning in terms of hidden symbolism that was motivated by the patient's psychodynamics of emotional repression. The psychological approach to dream interpretation was guided by pre-established concepts from Freud's psychoanalytical system of thinking. Hmm. Psychoanalytic dream interpretation was highly successful and widely accepted by psychiatrists and introduced into movies, film, and stage as themes. It is also acclaimed by many dedicated followers and has continued the life and use of psychoanalysis for more than a century. Jung's perspective on dreams was an entirely different sort. The two approaches stand in sharp and opposite relation to to dualism. Uh, 
Freud's approach to dreams is a materialistic application, while Jung's uh, definition of dreams is dualist. Jung's idea of what are dreams of man, why do I always find these? <laughs> uh, Jung's idea of what dreams are is deeper and more objective since the archetypes that cause dreams were collective, universal, and anatomical or biological, and therefore objective and empirical, unlike Freud's dream analysis that may be called subjective and hypothetical. Freud look at, looked at the consequent effects in, in dreaming, which were merely so many detailed external appearances in which dreams were cast, while Jung looked at the cause of the dream, which is its interior objective psychic origin. Yeah. Um, Freud also discussed dreams as being psychological expressions caused by the dreamer's desire to hide elements of the self that were too threatening to the conscious awareness. Mm. Wrapping dreams into layers of distractions was viewed as a defense mechanism that the patient was using to repress certain emotions and feelings that were simply unacceptable to the conscious ego. Jung added a totally independent dimension to dreams that gave them an objective existence in another world called the psychic world. Freud denied the independent existence of a psychic world since he was the scientific materialist in which the mind is purely physical and part of the biology of the physical brain. This monistic view of the mind is still in effect today in neuroscience and material psychology. Hmm. Um, it says there's a discussion today in neuroscience that mind and consciousness may be emergent phenomena, but these are still physical and have no independent existence from the physical brain. Hence at death or in a coma, the mind does not emerge or exist. So basically, and this doesn't get, I won't read more. There, there is more to it yeah. that's interesting, but for the sake of this. So you have Freud who thinks everyone wants to bang their mom or their dad. Right. And because acknowledging that is so unacceptable to not just the person itself, but society. Yeah. Or I should say the reverse. Western Not culture. to society. Well, not just Western society. Everyone. That's incest is taboo in every yeah, single yeah. culture okay to the world that the human like the me i have to suppress it deep down and that causes other ailments that go into the rest of my life maybe that's why right you know i'm a pushover is because my mom was overbearing and you know whatever young and but freud thought that even though everyone is kind of there everyone has that uh, same driving force of trying to repress this idea, these sexual feelings. Um, each dream is like this different for everyone. So it's really weird. So he takes this approach that everyone has the same thing, but the dreams are different for every person. So the, you mean the interpretation? The interpretation. Okay. Right. And yeah. it really, again, is just very, not spiritual at all. That's right. modern science. Right, coming right. From that. Jung has this idea of a collective unconscious. He, uh, so he was actually raised by his dad was a minister. Right. Freud's father, Freud came in from a, they were Jewish. And then Jung was a Christian, but they had these different uh, out views. One was very scientific. One was 
Carl Jung used to go to church with like his, so he grew up in this very spiritual world. Yeah. Uh, Freud came up in a very secular world. Um, but Jung had this idea. So he did believe in God and he actually said, I didn't believe in God. I know he exists. And he has these ideas of, um, God, it, it's not a Christian, right? It's, he's not, I'm not saying that Carl Jung is right. Christian you. or you should listen to him as being a gospel because he's not. Right. Um, but he has this idea that kind of everyone's thoughts, actions, unactions, like different self beings of self, different shadow um, parts of our body that we can't uh, rationalize or anything kind of all go in, into this huge collective unconscious that is ethereal. It's a spiritual thing that kind of everyone can tap into. Like the cloud. Yeah, it's kind of like this spiritual cloud. I think they call it um, the consciousness. No, it, universal universe. Yeah, uh, the I think it's called the uh, Enochian records. Or, oh, uh, right. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. that. It's some. Uh, I know what this you're idea of some records. Google whatever the collective unconscious dream, but basically, um, that's what UFOs are. Like he takes these things in super crazy mm -hmm. ways, um, but he says that's what UFOs are. He said that's what UFOs yeah, are. Right. It's a, but he was the one. These are a spiritual thing. It's a psychological thing. They're physical manifestations of dreams and all this really crazy stuff. Okay. Um, but the whole point that I'm getting at is you have one guy who is really into this crazy spiritual, um, not necessarily new age, but sort of new age, but came from a Christian background. But it's a very spiritual thing that there's – uh, deep interpretations for every single person and um, we're all you know existing more and there is a lot of value into symbolism and um, that's far greater than just wanting to bang your mom in the in the interpretation process in the interpretation gotcha. of dreams okay so those are the two so yeah now when you start seeing like you know, you said, I, I couldn't believe or I wouldn't have dreamt that they uh, split. Yeah. Now you're starting to see where they totally yeah. came off totally different bases. Yeah, yeah. So that's why if you start reading dream uh, dictionaries, if you're reading a Freudian one, it's telling you you want to bang your mom. If you yeah. read one that's based on like a Jungian uh, thing, it's going to talk about all kinds of you know, synthetic stuff synthetic. that you can't even like it's hard to yeah, right to you can't there. even put a put a it's jello right yeah um youngin was pretty he had some pretty good stuff though i mean like he was a genius very intelligent person like i i'm you know some of the stuff we've talked about in the past i mean i don't obviously subscribe to a lot of his yeah you know, i will say this is interesting also they they don't um i have a particular again i hold young in way more regard um than Freud. Oh, yeah. For sure. And a big thing of that is, uh, I don't know if I talked about it during my testimony, but I'm trying to think of how to word this because I don't want to word it yeah. um, by giving it away. But if someone, uh, if you go to a 12-step program, the original 12-step program, Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah, is based on, the name of that is written by, is based on a book that was written called the big book that describes what the first hundred people that got sober did. This is how they did it. Yeah. And the whole basis for finding a spiritual awakening in order to solve 
and out al- the alcoholic problem was based on Carl Jung. Hmm. So they actually went and he was one of the ones that said, uh, so they sent this guy over to, you know, Austria or Switzerland, uh, to go talk to Carl Jung. And he was like, this guy's got a spiritual problem. And the only way that he's going to solve it is God. He has to find God. And so the basis of all 12 step programs is basically Jung and the Christian group, uh, there is um, the Oxford group, mm-hmm. was uh, they had seven principles, I think. That is that started... where the Oxford House came from? Yeah, probably. Oxford? Yeah, okay. But uh, yeah, so when you had this temperance movement that came out in the yeah. 1800s, was a Christian and this Jungian idea, and it was this kind of amalgamation. And that's what basically, in my opinion, the best working uh, way of addiction addiction recovery recovery. yeah yeah yeah. so i agree young has some very good things that uh as someone who's in recovery yeah that had a lot of gotten a lot of benefit out of the 12 steps yeah um you have so i like carl young but uh it's very cool stuff yeah um so that's an interesting approach though so like from a so purely from a scientific standpoint uh, we're told that dreams are the result of chemical, mm-hmm. uh, while we're sleeping, chemical changes in the brain uh, coming from the brainstem in the frontal front, frontal brain area, the yeah. amygdala, and giving us our dreams. And then the two main camps of psychology would say, one would say they're, it, it's suppressed sexual issues, and the other one would say it's a spiritual um, I'm just putting that label on yeah, there, yeah, yeah. spiritual. Uh, it's a... Dimension. I wish I had a better word, but yeah. not Christian necessarily, but spiritual in, mm-hmm. in, in that phase um, is the is what's causing those dreams. And so, or the interpretation method would be filtered through a spiritual lens versus a, a repressed sexual uh, lens. Well, it's also the cause of dreams too. One, the cause Freud, and the interpretation. Yeah, because gotcha. Freud would say it is again. You only dr- you don't dream when you die. You die. Right. Your consciousness does not carry on. Right. It still is a very. So was he an atheist? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. <clears throat> yeah. You know, you're gonna always have that. Ultra yeah. science is the king. Yeah. So I thought an- another interesting thing that I think is uh, worth mentioning. Yeah. Uh, this other guy and his aspects of it, as we're kind of moving more towards a Christian uh, t- worldview yeah. tinge. Yeah. yeah. Is uh, this guy named Emanuel Swedenborg, who <laughs> uh, I also want to say this, that uh, when I read, I am not espousing, how about I'll back up a step. I'm not uh, saying that I mean, you should read Emanuel Swedenborg, that he was correct. Yeah, we're not endorsing. Endorsing, that's the word. Right. Um, yeah. And based on Emanuel Swedenborg's writings, <laughs> the New Age came out of that. Oh, like he go. was way before Emanuel... That's where I, when you were mentioning before, yeah. that's where I connected him with. I knew. Yeah, I, I talked about the Jesus letter. Like yes. that was one of the first, he was a precursor. Yep. Uh, a lot of his ideas were taken by Blavatsky and all these other people. So he's kind like, I don't want to put all of that on him because he didn't really start. They like used this, his stuff. They used his stuff. And they perverted it. Yeah. Yeah, um, so, I get it. Yeah, so I'll just read a little bit. But he bit. still was a little off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it said, uh, Manuel Swedenborg uh, was a Swedish Swedish pluralistic Christian theologian, scientist, philosopher, and mystic. 
Hmm. He became best known for his book on the afterlife, Heaven and Hell, which was written in 1758. Hmm. Swedenborg had a prolific career as an inventor and scientist in 1741 at 53. He entered into a spiritual phase in which he began to experience dreams and visions, notably on Easter weekend on April 6th, 1744. Hmm. His experiences culminated in a, quote, spiritual awakening in which he received a revelation that Jesus Christ had appointed him to write the heavenly doctrine to reform Christianity. According to the heavenly doctrine, the Lord had opened Swedenborg's spiritual eyes so that from then on he could freely visit heaven and hell Hmm. and converse with angels, demons, and other spirits, and that the last judgment had already occurred in 1757, (laughs) um, the year prior. It said over the last 28 years of his life, Swedenborg wrote 18 published theological works and several more that remain unpublished. He termed himself a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ in true Christian religion, which he published himself. Um, Some followers of the heavenly doctrine believe that his theological works, only those that were published by Swedenborg himself, are fully divinely inspired. Wow. Um, Others have regarded all of Swedenborg's theological works as equally inspired, saying, for example, that the fact that some works were not, quote, written out in final edited form for publication does not make a single statement less trustworthy trustworthy than the statements of any of the other works. The new church, also known as Swedenborgianism, <laughs> is a new religious movement that was founded in 1787 and comprised several historically related Christian denominations that revere Swedenborg's writings as revelation. Yeah. So there are still churches, and I'm not going to go down that. Yeah. It's almost like a denomination that developed out of it, but very mystical. Yeah. Um, so I just have a couple things that he writes about, which are pretty interesting. So this is based on Swedenborgianism. Dreams and visions have formed a part of the life of man since the time when he first began to inhabit this planet we call Earth. And indeed, we need not limit ourselves to Earth, for the peoples of other planets are essentially the same as the humans of our Earth. They have the same basic faculties and capacities from the Lord, and they are influenced and formed by the same general environment as we have. Truly, they are in a variety of different states, ranging from what is relatively pure and heavenly to what is impure and hellish. In the history of the church on Earth, we refer we see reflected something of the many states that man can enter into. Think of the multitude of states there are then when we think of the history of the natural universe. Um, it says, and yet no matter what the state of man in, there are certain things which are common to men, all men in all states. All men in the natural universe are inhabitants of two worlds at the same time, the natural and the spiritual. As to their bodies, all men live in the world of nature at and are sustained by the world of nature. Through their sensory organs of the body, all men are influenced from without, from their external environment, from the world of fixed form, matter, space, and time. As to their spirits, however, all men live in the spiritual world. Through their their souls and minds, they receive from within the life, the love, the affection, the, the delight, and the sensation of the spiritual world. This is the world which, although removed from the sight of man's natural vision, flows into him and gives life purpose to the movement and use of the natural body. The influx of the spiritual world into man 
begins with the Lord, since he alone is the source of life, and flows through the heavens, through the world of spirits, and through the hells, so that when it enters man, it is literally filled with all the life and activity, and with all the various qualities of the loves and affections of the inhabitants of the spiritual world. And so, uh, just finish one last one. The truth that the qualities and affections of angels, spirits, and devils flow into each man and affect him has long been lost. Back in the most ancient days of man's life on this earth, such knowledge of the influence of spiritual companions was precious to them. In the dreams and the visions of sweet sleep, they saw the life of heaven unfolded. They knew the spiritual companions as dear friends and delighted in the joys and happiness of heaven that they received through them. In dreams and visions, they received the instruction that guided their natural life in divine order and according to divine purpose. All forms of natural of nature lived, for each was seen as the representation of some heavenly love and affection. To such people, there was none of the loneliness and emptiness that so accompanies the states of our life on earth today. For if all us failed, the presence of spiritual companions in dreams and visioned filled all states with a joy of spiritual friendship. So it's interesting. Hmm. And I kind of like that take that he's talking about. Uh, again, there's some that I like there, and then yeah. there's some that's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, but that's I, I like the way that he broke it down, that we're like living in the same realm at the same time. Um, and, you know, it is true. A lot of people back in the day were experiencing visions and yeah. interacting, you know, on this physical plane with angels that took form. You know, obviously that right. kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's the interesting thing because you have like, like what it's called an open vision, right? Which is like, like uh, Daniel standing on the side of the water, yeah. you know, by the river, and an angel shows up, and that's the so that's the the big crux of, of a lot of the question is is like that, and these are the things that interest me about dreams is like are we in our dreams is the spirit realm entering into our consciousness mm -hmm. conscious or are we entering into the spirit realm like is yeah. there a doorway somehow that is allowing like obviously my physical body's laying in my mm -hmm. bed or wherever i'm sleeping but is there a veil that's thinly opened you know and yeah because i do believe the spirit realm enters into the dream realm of my subconscious or my con when I'm unconscious, you know, and um, my I guess that would be my your consciousness. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I think that um, when we start to try and dissect it, it gets really messy. Yeah. And so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of um, different thoughts on it, but what one thing that's undeniable is that it is used by God. Yeah. Like and the spirit realm does enter it. Like I've had dreams that were evil. Yeah, you know, demonic. Um, you know, and we can share some of those later if we want, or the good stuff. I don't have any. So you, you don't. Ha you don't have evil dreams. No, I don't. I don't remember uh, many dreams. Uh, I'm not good at that it. That is something too. Like <clears throat> when I was younger, I used to have a lot of dreams, and man. Well, I I will say uh, maybe kind of before we get into the next bit because yeah. you brought up a lot of points. E dreaming is something that you actually is a skill. It's like a, a muscle. 
that you work at it and you keep doing it, the more that you do it, the more it becomes natural, the more you become better at it. So you actually can. So you, the, can, you think you can develop a dream, like a dream? 100%. Yeah, I can tell you how to do it right now. Super easy. Okay. You know what it is? No. You keep a notebook next to your bed. Yeah. And as soon every time that you remember a dream, you write it down as soon as you wake up. Okay. And because you're training your mind into bringing it into the f- existence, like you're actually thinking about it and giving more attention to it. Yeah. Your brain will start to remember it better. Um, so you're making it liminal. And, like- and, yeah. And you're having a... It's a habitual thing because a lot of times um, I know that I've like woken up and I know, oh, I, I can remember, I know right now, like right. being fully awake <clears throat> that I remember my dream, but I, it's all mushy. You right. know what I mean? It, it's very cloudy. Foggy. Yeah. And breaking through that fog is um, just training your brain to remember those things. Yeah. It's in the same way. Um, lucid dreaming and so the yeah i was going to agree with you uh with my view on it is it's totally a spiritual thing and so you think all dreams are spiritual n- not all of them i think it is um i i, I think my answer kind of goes an amalgamation because i think that some dreams is just your brain clearing out stuff right um processing stuff that happened through the day like i don't know i saw a bunch of red cars and i i'm probably going to remember have some red car in that dream the other the other thing this one i meant to say is that we dream every night yeah everyone dreams every night yeah and it's it's almost like a psychological i can't remember what it's called selection bias i think it is is like if you buy a new car right yeah every if, if you or if you look at you want to buy it like right yeah you start looking at a car like i bought a car that i was uh, my new my it's not a new car but new to me car that i bought i had never really thought about it other than like the day before i needed a new car i looked online carmax had this car i'm like cool i like that went out and bought it the next day right yeah and then ever since then now every time i drive around i always see the same model of car car, right yeah and i you never are aware beforehand of like Oh, there's a lot of Toyota Yaris's. Right. I didn't buy a Yaris, but I'm just saying as an example. I would have punched you if you bought a Yaris. Yeah. But you you just become aware of it because now it's something that's like conscious. It's in your life. That same shift to now recognizing all these patterns, um, that is what you do when you start training your brain to dream. When you start writing it down, it kind of tells your brain so I don't know this if you're, is important. I don't know if you're necessarily training your brain to dream. I think what you're doing is you're just acknowledging the dreams that you have. Well, no, it's... You're tr- kind of making yourself, a, you're conscious aware of what was happening when you're unconscious. That's what I'm saying. But in order, you have to train your brain to actually remember and not just to discard it to as soon as you wake up. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So mo- that's, that's Most the of the time I lay there, <laughs> like if I have a really cool dream or whatever... I'll yeah. lay there and think about it for a minute and then I'll fall back asleep and then it's gone forever. See, what's interesting is I um, can actually, I used to be, I was never a big lucid dreamer. And I'll just say lucid dreaming uh, is another thing I don't want to, I think you're playing with fire there. Okay. Is getting, that when you can control what's happening in the dream? Yeah. So basically lucid is just being awake yeah. in a dream state. Um, interesting. So th- this does happen to people. Um, it's happened to me yeah. a couple of times. I think most people 
But I feel like in my dreams, there's some level of control that I still have. Well, then you have some level of lucid, lucidity because most dreams play should play out like a movie. Like you're just playing a part. Yeah. Most or you're time. watching the movie. Or, yeah, it, depending on how it comes out. But yeah. a lucid dream is actually is, – they're unmistakable. You know it because all of a sudden you're aware you're in, in a dream. dream yeah. And you go, I'm in a dream. I know I'm in a dream. I can actively control stuff. So you can go – you literally can go, I want to fly right now. And you just start flying. Yeah, yeah. And you have all these powers. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. I uh, change that horse into a – my mom, so I can have to say, yeah, right. Freud would say that. Um, but you can actually learn how to do that too. Yeah. Um, I won't go into that, but I was saying that whole lucid, lucid dream. I think that's where if you are actively trying to lucid dream, that gets into astral projection, which wow. is a very new agey thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very dangerous. And I think the fact, so coming back to the fact that, there is some spiritual aspect to some dreams uh, because I think, again, some dreams are purely just chaos. Yeah. It's just cleaning out stuff or not everything in a dream has to have some deep symbology. How about I'll say that? Yeah. That there's just, this is stuff I'm processing. Pizza. Pizza. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a pedophile, so I don't think about pizza. But <laughs> well, they always say that if you eat pizza, then you, you end have up having weird dreams at night. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've never had that experience, but I don't know why they use that as the... Yeah. Um, But, so, lucid dreams, when you start doing this, basically astral projecting is your consciousness the same thing. It's like a a stepping stone. Yeah, yeah. To astral projection, which is actually, okay, your consciousness is aware it's in a dream state, but now you're going to do that while you're awake. And Mm -hmm. you're going to leave your body and actually travel to other dimensions that aren't dream worlds right. so you get into this real weird leaving your your you consciousness see people right like you're in you're invisible there's and, interactions or you can actually like look down at your own body right and fly through the normal world right yeah so you you could literally fly to your friend's house right and, and then go and see what they're watch them want they're eating making a sandwich or right whatever, yeah, yeah. So I think the fact that that's so closely tied into dreams does show that there's some spiritual aspect to it. Yeah. And the fact that they also say that DMT, and this is one of those things that's, I think, some so scientists. This is on my list. Oh, uh, was it? Ayahuasca, okay. DMT, pharmaceuticals. Yeah. So they do say, and it, I haven't read, uh, like, I don't keep up to date with, like, the current hallucinogen uh scientific world or whatever right but they did used to say um uh, i think it was rick strassman uh wrote this book called dmt the spirit molecule like uh, joe rogan like loves them and all that stuff of course um but he was the one that did a, a bunch of like very um medically controlled studies with using uh dimethyltryptamine which is the like most powerful hallucinogen ever right and it occurs naturally in your body and they say it is it the pineal gland thing yeah they say that but one of the i think it, it they go back and forth i think where it's like oh yeah we found uh dmt in the pineal gland but it's really hard to like do the study of 
like a human, like cut open their head and right. like, go dig in there and see if it, right. You can't really do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of hypothesizing, but yeah, basically the whole idea is small amounts of DMT, which are produced naturally. We'll just say for the sake of it in the pineal gland get released. And that actually is what triggers, um, dreaming. So they say hmm. DMT gets released in small amounts when you dream and then also you get like a rush of it right when you die. Hmm. So on the point of death. And so the, the, the argument for that is that DMT is basically like the, the windex of that spiritual realm. You're talking about that veil. Yeah. So it's or, cleaning it. It's cleaning it and you can allowing see into you to it. See, yeah. And then when you get like a large amount of it, that's what they say is maybe that's they crack the window. <laughs> Yeah, they don't the, just clean it; they open it. Yeah, maybe that's a better way not cleaning it. Um, but that's the, you know, that's what takes people on the life review. You know, where all these people have near-death experiences and they actually do die. Yeah, and they all kind of say it's the same thing. You're going up to heaven, and there's like a life review. They, a materialist, would say that your brain's just tripping because it knows it's dying, and it's just. Right. Flooding your brain and you're just having a psychedelic trip right as you die. Yeah. And doesn't mean anything. Just everyone happens to do the same thing. Right. Um, other people would say like DMT is like this spiritual, yeah, uh, thing that allows us to connect to the spiritual realm. Right. Um, but yeah, there is a connection with that drug, DMT. And ayahuasca contains DMT. Right. So right. it's the same thing. Um but yeah, it is tied into dreaming. So and I, pharmaceuticals do kind of they thin that veil. Like I, I mean, certain ones. Yeah, pharmacia is mentioned in the in Revelation, uh, and pharmacia is one of the things that were warned to not parti participate in. Yeah. you know. So a lot of these Christians that are that are because um, it's as the sin of witchcraft. Yeah, you know. So. Um, Wow, I don't know. I don't know if you can hear those the dogs. <laughs> My dogs upstairs are going nuts. Somebody must have knocked on the door. But um, as the sin of witchcraft, which mm -hmm. is interesting to think about, because the 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 Greek witchcraft is translated pharmakia. Yeah. And so when you look at that, it's uh, sorcery, divination, mm -hmm. and it has this whole spiritual uh, uh, tangibility. Yeah. Or access mm -hmm. uh, route. So isn't that interesting yeah. that these pharmacias, and then they would affect your dream life and people go into trances yeah, and they go into, they have visions. Mm -hmm. So trances are another way. It's like yeah. a dream state. Yeah. I, I think the, uh, I think the best way, maybe the dancing around the term is just altered state of consciousness mm -hmm. because that's what a, the, the dream state is an altered state of consciousness. You're not, and that one in particular, you're, you're not conscious anymore. Right. Yeah. But your, your soul, your spirit, you know, the consciousness. Yeah. The, the being, the essence of the your essence being. The essence of your being obviously continues while you're asleep. Your brain doesn't stop. Your body doesn't stop. Right. You know, these right. kind of things. Um, so. It's just. Yeah. I think. Incredible any, to think about how God designed this. Yeah. And I, I think the fact that. Um, Obviously, I don't promote drugs at all. None of us do here. Um, but I don't think, I think the fact that if, if 
we do have DMT in our body and it does get released on a nightly basis when we dream. I'm not saying you should do DMT. Right. I'm just saying if that actually happens, that is almost like gives more credence to God wanting to give us some sort of connection to him to, right. you know, have, that's our little uh, it's like an, it, radio dial. Dude, that's so how you turn on. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes. He's placed eternity in the hearts of men. It's yeah. almost like this part of how we were created to right. physiologically connect, have some sort of yeah, put yeah. us in a position, and that's why I think the pineal gland was probably worshipped and you know the pine cone, right? Yeah, the pine cone, and yeah. then and and so the big thing is is if you want to have great dreams, don't use fluoride, right? right? Decalcify that bad boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that could be part of the like. Remember, I was saying when I was mm-hmm. younger, you know. Uh, when I was younger, I had much more vivid dreams and more yeah. often, and I would remember them more often. Uh, and um, I felt like – I also, too, felt like when I was younger that dreams were actually communication to me at some capacity. And I think p- other people look at it that way as well. Yeah. If my pineal gr- gland was becoming calcified through fluoride, which is in all of our water, and yeah. we go to the dentist and they would put it on – like this is – I have only known about this over the last couple years, mm-hmm. then uh, that might be the reason why my dream state has seemed to trail off as I've gotten older. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I agree with it. And there's hmm. other aspects of fluoride where your path, like they in Nazi Germany or yeah, Nazi Germany after the Weimar Republic, they would put fluoride in the water because it uh, pacified people. Mm-hmm. So I think there's the pacification of people might be more willing to uh, be spiritually emboldened, right? If yeah. you have something that this, we're getting like super hippie here. Right. If you're getting like your, uh, the radio dial to communicate with God, one way, one aspect of connection with the spiritual world is being, Physically, when you're talking about calcification, you yeah. we're literally talking about a physical change of calcium and hardening of a, a part of our a gland of our brain that produces yeah. this stuff. I think that's why you have such a spiritual decline in all these, Older. you know, like we're, yeah, because you look at all all civilizations, and I think the Epic of Gilgamesh was the first one that actually it's a the oldest writing. Mm-hmm. And it also was the first time it talks about the interpretation of dreams. So it was yeah. a big part all the way back. So if you look at all these all of ancient history. cultures, yeah. every ancient culture talked about dreams. Every ancient culture talked about the importance of dreams, the interpretation of dreams. They all talked about all these things. Um, it's only a, a modern, you know, very materialistic yeah. I- invention. And I don't think that... Post-Christian... And I think the these drugs and um, are it's intentional. My, my point is it's pacifying, and I think it's a spiritual pacification that they're trying to do uh, to people. They want us eating bugs, living in pods, and owning nothing. Yeah, and not communicating with God. Not right communicating now. with God, or not even being open to. Uh, and I just want to preface all that by saying, obviously, if God wants to communicate in a dream to you, yeah. Like nothing will stop I don't, them. I don't want. Yeah, I don't want people to start. Uh, maybe as we move into the what we're going to talk about here. Yeah, is obviously 
I don't think this needs to be said, but I just want to say it so that it's said. If God has an important message that he wants to get through to you in a dream, you don't have to worry about remembering your dream. Right. It will happen. If you need to, if if you're reading your Bible, staying uh, you know, in touch with God, praying often, yeah, reading the Bible, talking to like-minded friends, being Christ-centered in your mind, the interpretation will come. You'll know a Christian yeah. interpretation of it. Like you don't have to worry about that if you aren't like. For me, I never remember my dreams anymore. Right. I'm not worried about God communicating to me. You right. know what I mean? I'm not right. worried about the calcification. Yeah, yeah. God can communicate however he wants to communicate whatever he wants to communicate with you that's not a problem yeah yeah no i agree with you 100 percent. he can he can get it get it to you and your memory will like if yeah if it's a god dream it's he has his ways (laughs) he has his ways of just imprinting it to where you won't forget it yeah he's done so much crazier stuff than having me helping me remember a dream right totally me too Yeah. yeah So let's move into the biblical and the more holy spiritual, yeah. you know, like the the God spiritual side of, of dreaming because um, that is, you know, like – so like one of the things that I was thinking about um, was I had heard a story and I was looking for it earlier today. I couldn't find any proof of it, but I've heard it many times that, that God was giving Muslims dreams in the Middle yeah. East and that they were becoming – they were seeing – dreams of Jesus yeah. and speaking with him and he would direct them to trust him and to to give their life to him and they would get saved through dreams because there was no gospel being preached because it was against the law people were being murdered for for their faith and mm-hmm. so missionaries weren't able to get in there and whatever um and so I was just thinking about how God will use dreams in unbelievers lives yeah to work out his will you know, and to do things that are according according to what he wants, um, and probably one of the first place where you see a dream is with a, this guy Abimelech in the Old Testament. Yeah, kind of. Before we get into that, that, that yeah. sparked a thought. Uh, I I have heard tons of those stories, particularly in the Middle East, where they, yeah, again, they see Jesus and they. They've never seen Jesus before. Right. And they immediately know, you're Jesus Christ. (laughs) You are the son. You are the Christian. You're God. You're God. Yeah. I know that. The whole fact that that does happen, it's so reported. Like It's not just one time and we're, you know, stupid Christians are clinging to that one time. But just, I want to use that as a proof point when we Christians can worry about, uh, well, what is God going to do? Is he, you know, there's some tribe in the Amazon who's never talked to anyone <laughs> right. outside for yeah. a thousand years. Yeah. Is God going to send them to hell because they don't have the opportunity yes. to know Jesus? Yes, he will. Well, yeah, he will. <laughs> that's it. I'm just kidding. That's it. <laughs> no. It, for, he can do anything. He could send a talking parrot. Right. That was a missionary that, you know, flew away and. Right. And, <laughs> had only the gospel. Right. So there, the fact that like we have reported yeah. evidence of God appearing to Jesus, Jesus himself appearing to people, you know. In, in he, dreams, yeah. God can handle the tribe in Africa or 
the Amazon rainforest that hasn't talked to people. And there's actually missionary stories of missionaries that go to like some uncontacted tribe. And they're like, hey, we want to tell you about Jesus. And they start telling the story or, you know, like the yeah. gospel to them. And, and they go, yeah, we know that. That's what we've been worshiping for like the last 500 years. Yeah. And they're like, well, how do, you, how do you know that? And they're like, I don't know. We just always knew that. Our, our, our uh, yeah. tribe leader yeah. had a dream right. and yeah. talked with him. Yeah. <laughs> so it has happened all throughout history. Right. Um, so I think that th- – and I think this is a big – you know, aside from a talking parrot, I think that dreams <laughs> – are definitely a, a way that God spreads his gospel. Yeah. So God can handle those tribes in Africa or wherever. I just yeah. the Amazon rainforest, the uncontacted, he does, has, and probably continue to do that. Um, talk to people and you know, he's got the he can handle that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think when we talk about Christians and dreams, yeah. Um, and there's a great resource I wanna I'm gonna just I'm gonna what a talk, shill shill I don't know yeah yeah our our good friend Ken Johnson which we've talked about many times and he's <laughs> been a guest on the podcast he has he read, wrote a very simple book called the ancient language of dreams and their biblical interpretation I think it's like ten dollars on Amazon yeah just get it and <laughs> and he breaks down like all of the biblical um most of the biblical um, dreams that are that we can find in the Bible. And he talks, he also has a whole section in there about like uh, other extra biblical things like from the book of Jasher, which we're going to look at too. And um, so we're going to pull a little bit from this book real, while we're on this topic because it's just very thorough. Mm-hmm. And it's a big help for us as we walk through this a little bit. But um, I think it would be good, uh, it would be a good idea to um, just kind of and we've covered a lot of this already. We talked about visions and, you know, the difference between visions and dreams is that one would be uh, like a day vision or a open vision would be while you're awake and the other one would be while you're asleep. Mm-hmm. And so a vision and a dream are somewhat synonymous in the Bible. They're interchangeable in a lot of places. And um, the way that you can tell the difference is just go back to the original language either the Hebrew or the Greek, and see what it says there for that particular word, whether it was I was given a vision while I was, you know, in my room or whatever mm-hmm. with Isaiah, like his personal calling, you know, or Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 1, or Daniel. Um, and you can you can tell by the original language whether it was a type of vision or a dream or whatever. And so we don't really need to go into all of that. But they all are on what I would say is on the same plane. Mm-hmm. They're on the same plane. And um, because when God begins to interact with his creation in this way, with people in this way, um, he it seems to have a very similar, they have the same f- similar fingerprints throughout the experience. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a good way to put it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I did make a highlight here, and it says, I just wanted to read, this is from Introduction to Dreams. It says, first you must try to understand what God said through the centuries recorded in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then second, you must pay attention to your dreams. And I think that's like the basis of like the, what you were talking about earlier, like an interpretation like um, rule would be if what is my dream? Okay, do I understand? Does my dream that I have, does it connect in any way to something that I know about the Bible? And then secondly, if it does, then I need to pay attention to that dream. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it, it could be something as simple as an animal 
a particular animal, like a snake or a horse or a frog or something like that, you know, um, and you realize, oh, yeah, I know about the frogs because the plagues of Egypt and uh, that's where frogs were first mentioned or whatever. And you go back and you check it out and see what it is. And maybe that's a helpful thing for you to interpret yeah, your dream. And looking into, uh, yeah, frogs are super prominent. How is it used in the Bible first? And even going into, like, if you want to get nerd territory, like, if you yeah. really want to find out what a frog means, and it doesn't mean, like, when you kiss your mom, she's going to turn into your wife, or, yeah, right. <laughs> Freud, whatever it is. Freud would say yeah, yeah. yeah, turning your yeah. prince into a whatever, um, is find out what the ancient, what the authors of what they were talking about with a frog, because the frog, you just pulled that as an example, the plague was directly related to a, a, a deity. A deity, yeah, that's right. So, okay, you know, what does that deity represent? Oh, can that be something? You know. Fertility. Uh, for, that was the god, the frog. Oh, was it the, the frog, frog god? Yeah. So, I yeah, maybe so. if you start seeing frogs, maybe that one. And unclean spirits, too. Was right. That one. So one biblical interpretation may be something to do with fertility. You know, like, and we're just making this up. Yeah. Um, more or less, but. I'm not saying that is 100%. So it could have like a sexual immorality connotation, like it's a warning to you. So that's that's how a biblical interpretation of a dream should look like. What does the Bible say? Do a little bit more research into what do they mean when they use that? Is there, what's the context of that? And then, okay, how can that apply to me? And the other thing is you just wait. Yeah. Like, it, because there's only one way that you know that it's from God is it, his will 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 happen. Right. So if God is sending you a whole bunch of dreams about frogs and frogs are connected with fertility, and maybe that means you're going to get pregnant, you know, if right. you've been trying to get pregnant, something like that. Right. But you won't know until the actual outcome happens. Right. Um, so there is one general thing. They call it the law of first use. Yeah. And it's basically like in you want to go to the first place you find in the Bible that use of that particular thing, whether it's a sheave of wheat or whether it's an animal or whatever in that dream. So like just we're talking purely for interpretation methods and reasons. But um, <clears throat> what's interesting to me is that um, Ken says here, he says that usually God will, it says the Lord will use a be- any believer with zeal to prophesy and witness to non-believers. God usually speaks in dreams to mature believers, the old ones, those who have spent time studying and memorizing scripture. Mm-hmm. So it's almost as if when you wake up from that dream, what's the first thing that pops in your mind connected to the word of God uh, about it? And mm-hmm. a lot of times, like, that's my leaning like automatically I'm thinking like, okay, was this a biblical dream? Was this a God thing? Right. And uh, because not only, and and also too, I think it's healthy. Like you were talking about keeping a notepad next to your bed. I think it's also very spiritually healthy to pray and ask yeah. God to give you dreams yeah. from him. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That was going to be the, the, the two points. Oh, really? To, uh, <laughs> I totally forgot about it because we got off track is yeah. One, a pragmatic way is writing down your dreams, and two, is much in the same way of, as we always say, pray for discernment so you can get discernment. Yeah. Pray to have dreams or say, hey, God, you know, if you want to speak to me with dreams, I'm open to it. You know, yeah. like. I, I, I used to pray over my kids when they go to bed when they were little, and I would pray that God would give them 
dreams of him, yeah. of heaven, whatever, you know, just That's, speak to them. <laughs> my my nightly prayer has not really changed much in that 25 years, yeah. you know, I'm 32. Yeah. It's pretty much always been, and it always is, I always do pray for, just let me have, I say good dreams and happy dreams. <laughs> Keep me away from evil things and evil people and evil yeah. dreams. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, that's a good prayer. That's a good yeah. prayer. So um, let's go into like the – I just want to like I, I, the Abimelech one. I wanted to – I do want to touch on that one because okay. this is actually a really cool story in the Old Testament because it's it has to do with um, – it has to do with an unbeliever mm-hmm. and God using an unbeliever through a dream to direct the affairs of a believer. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, Abram – Abraham and his wife Sarah were uh, journeying through an area um, towards. Uh, they were going uh, through an area, and and uh, they meet up with Abimelech, who is a king. And Abimelech basically says, uh, "Is that your wife?" Talking to Joseph with Sarah and Joseph, I mean Abraham, Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham was scared of him because he was a king, and he was just kind of traveling through. And he's like, "No, it's my sister," and so. What, and he kind of tells Sarah beforehand, like, we're, I'm going to tell him you're my sister. And, she, you know, I don't know what wife would take that, first of all. It's like, right. like, my wife would be so offended that, what, you're not willing to die for me? Like, maybe, if you, maybe they've just been both eating a lot of graham crackers, so he doesn't mind. <laughs> well, he must have gotten off the graham crackers because God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's finally what happened. <laughs> More descendants than the sand. So, um, but he said, so Abimelech, says oh okay cool so he takes her as his wife and uh and abraham's kind of like bumming out and god goes to abimelech in a dream and he tells him hey that's my servant and he that's his what he's married and you're i'm gonna kill you basically he's like i'm gonna kill you because of this and he's like whoa well god he's like negotiates with god in his dream he's like i'm righteous like i had every good intent i didn't know it was his his sister and uh surely you won't you know, judge me for that. And then, uh, so then God says, you're right, give him back his wife. (laughs) And so he wakes up, he tells his servants the dream, they give him back his wife, and then they move on, you know, for the rest of the story. But I just thought it was really interesting because it it shows that uh, God will speak to anybody as he wills concerning his ultimate will if he needs to. And God needed Abraham to go through and get to the promise, you know, to show him the promised land. So he was able to uh, use this dream in his life which was cool yeah yeah absolutely uh kind of in the same uh vein of that uh another one that was pointed out which actually there's a lot of more context which is so awesome about ken yeah uh pilot's wife yeah exactly so i'm just going to read this because we all know the story but this sums up so well pontius Pilate was a roman governor of judea under the reign of tiberius caesar Being Roman, he was a pagan and worshipped the Roman gods and goddesses. He did not believe in a Jewish Messiah. Pilate was the one who had Jesus crucified, even though he knew full well Jesus had not broken any Roman law. And so this is uh, from Matthew 27. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that the end... not these old testament <laughs> it's, it's in king james it's in king james it's the word he knew that for envy they had delivered him when he was set down on the judgment seat 
Here's the key part. His wife said unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Hmm. So it says, So did did Pontius Pilate's wife dream come true? Was Pilate destroyed for murdering the Christ? The historian Eusebius, Eusebius, called the father of church history, recorded the events that happened from Christ's time up to A.D. 325. Eusebius records Pilate's wife dream coming true as predicted. Hmm. Said he should have heeded the warning. This is the quote. It is worthy of note that Pilate himself, who was governor in the time of our Savior, is reported to have fallen into such misfortunes under Caius, 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 whose times we are recording, that he was forced to become his own murderer and executioner, and thus divine vengeance, as it seems, was not long in overtaking him. This is stated by those Greek historians who have recorded the Olympiads together with their respective events which have taken place in each period. Pilate was arrested in charge for the death of an innocent man, Jesus, and Caesar ordered him to be beheaded for the crime. Wow. But before this took place, Pilate committed suicide. Wow. So, again, another one, you know, I just like that the the church fathers give so much more right to that because, again, and I mentioned this with other visions that are dreams that we're not going to necessarily go into is there's literally one line in in the bible where Pilate's wife comes up and says i had a dream don't do that yeah and that gets so overblown and it's nice to see that again even the the dream of a pagan woman a came and so there, there's a couple points it's like and the same thing with the king uh that you're talking about abimelech yeah is that they understood that this was God. You know, what's so funny about that? He knew he was communicating with a real God, that it wasn't just a dream. Right, yeah. And she still had the conviction, too, of you shouldn't do this. You're going to die if you do this. Right. Because there is some serious ramifications. Something's up with this Jesus guy. So I just love that, that, that it's pulled into the point that in their dream, they have full awareness that they're communicating or receiving information from in the in pilot's wife's point yeah receiving uh, information it's weird it's like i wonder so this is why i do believe that the spirit of man is connected somehow in his dreams right because his spirit would understand right through the spiritual nature of god because yeah. he's coming to him in the spirit right th- through his dream yeah it's crazy to think about no but you know what man that's just the brain you know clearing out some garbage <laughs> right nothing yeah. to see here nothing to see here right keep drinking going to the dentist getting that fluoride <laughs> so the next one that i was we wanted to bring up was the lion spirit yeah um you want me to read this one or do you want to read it yeah go ahead you can read it okay there always have been and always will be false prophets who say anything that will get them money or power speaking for god often gets a person thrown into jail or worse uh, this was the case for the prophet Micaiah. Micaiah, the Israel, the king of Israel, was evil. He worshipped false gods, but he he persuaded godly king Jehoshaphat to go into battle with him. Micaiah, it's spelled M-I-C-A-I-A-H. So I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> Micaiah. So I'm going to say, uh, heard from the Lord that God would allow the evil king to be slain in battle. But all of the other so-called prophets were just opportunists, and they were liars. Micaiah uh, wondered how this could be, 
then God showed him in a vision. So Jehoshaphat was the good king and um, and the evil king of 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 Israel because it was during the split kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks him into going into war with them, and uh, and then and what's interesting is he brings. Jehoshaphat won't go into war until he hears from the prophets, mm-hmm. and uh, the the king was like, um, "No, don't bring Micaiah because he always brings a bad report, right. and he brings a bad report." <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. This is what the, it says in the scripture. This is out of First um, Kings twenty two. It says, "And he said, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and in the, all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab?" that he may go up and fall at uh, Ramoth Gilead. And one said on his manor, and another said on on that manor, and there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And, wherewith? and he said, I will go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of of all these, all thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil concerning thee. So, and then it goes on to say, God allowed the lying spirit to enter those pseudo prophets and make sure that the the evil king would die. That would be Ahab. Mm-hmm. Notice, however, that God did not and would not and would never deceive a true follower of His, and. This is another reason you need to know to be a mature Christian before you work in the area of dreams and visions. So, yeah, yeah I just I, I love that, uh, and I first heard about that with Heiser because they were taught he was there was like a Q and A, yeah, and they had said, "Does God ever lie or deceive?" And uh, <laughs> what, what's so cool about this is uh, that's a spiritual uh, Deuteronomy thirty-two uh, the council the council yeah this is a a divine council, divine council passage that's talking about. So basically, because it's so difficult, God's saying like he's sitting around. And he's like, "Hey, I got to get this done." And how are we going to get this done? So he's commun- He's asking for like opinions from like different spirits. Yeah. And then one spirit comes up and says, "I'm going to do this," and then another one says, "I'm going to do that," and then another one comes up, and this is the one that's recorded. And he goes, "What are you going to do?" And he's like, "I'm going to go lie. I'm going to go." And be a lying spirit. Be a lying spirit in the prophets, all the prophets' mouths. And God's like, go do that. That's a good idea. (laughs) So it's just, it's interesting to see. I love that passage because it it gives a glimpse into like how God rules, how he works. Is it's a. uh, Because I mean, if he wanted to kill Ahab, he could just kill him in his sleep. (laughs) Right. He He could have just struck him down. He could have killed him. Yeah. Right. Um, He doesn't need, and he doesn't need ideas from spirits either, like other. Right spiritual beings but so the thing was too is that it was fulfilling prophecy right because elijah had you know elisha or no elijah had been you know ahab and jezebel were his nemesis they hated him Mm -hmm. and he basically prophesied she was going to be thrown down and trampled by dogs and he was going to die by the sword he goes into battle he dies by the sword she gets thrown off the wall by a a eunuch and dogs come and eat her Eat her bone, yeah, like yeah. eat her flesh, tear yeah. her flesh up. So God was fulfilling his own word through his true prophet, and he sent the lying spirit through the false prophets so that they could, you know, um, they would accomplish his will. 
Yeah. It's just crazy. Like even the lies accomplish God's will. Exactly. Yeah. I love crazy it. to think about. It's just so cool. Yeah. And so. But uh, it all happened through a dream that Micaiah ha- had right. in a vision, a dream of this whole event taking place. Like right. he understood God's divine plan through this vision. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Sorry. So cool. No, it's so cool. Um, so there's a couple, um, and I just wanted to, I'm going to skip uh, the actual Bible passages because there's a lot, oh, but yeah. there's some cool end times, obviously. Uh, we've talked enough about them. Yeah. Dreams that come from it. Um, so uh, this one's with Daniel's beast. It says, after the fall of Babylon, Daniel prayed and asked God to further reveal the meaning behind Nebuchadnezzar's idol dream. God answers his prayer. It said, Daniel saw four great beasts that represented the same kingdoms as the four metals in Nebuchadnezzar's idol dream. And uh, and it says, the vision shows the Antichrist will arise from an an 11th nation and take over the 10-nation confederacy shown in Nebuchadnezzar's dream as a ten toes. That's the one... He sees the idol, and it has it's made out of all the different gold head, bronze chest, or bronze legs, silver chest. Yeah, right. All the, yeah, different metals. Yeah. Um, it says the rest. Uh, yeah. So it that's a direct one. Uh, it's it's cool also that the dreams are being used as a dual use mm-hmm. because again, this is a really cool one. He's telling Nebuchadnezzar, "Hey, this is what's going to happen to you. Like some of this." Is going to happen to you in your lifetime, and then some of it he is prophesying. Yeah, same dream. So God always is like using these extra levels. <laughs> you know what 8D, I mean? Eight D chess. Eight D chess. Yeah. Um, and and what's interesting about that is that the so those visions. What's crazy is Nebuchadnezzar, an um, a non-believer at that point, has a dream about the statue. Asks Daniel to interpret it. Daniel goes to the Lord, gets the interpretation, right? Mm-hmm. At the at the expense of dying if he doesn't come back with the interpretation, right. which is incredible. And then God uses that dream that Nebuchadnezzar, a complete pagan, unbelieving, you know, dude, he uses that to fulfill and show us what's gonna happen in the end times, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. It didn't come through Daniel, it right. came through Nebuchadnezzar, right? Which yeah. a lot of people don't realize that the significance of an unbeliever, an unbeliever, yeah, a vivid, actual, clear dream that was going to involve the next four kingdoms following, right. you know, Greek, Romans, the mm-hmm. Babylonians, yeah, crazy, yeah. And, and there's just a couple other cool ones. Uh, Zechariah has dreams about the angels, yeah, uh, the measuring line. A flying scroll. These are <laughs> yeah. all uh, end times uh, prophecy. Um, yeah, we love talking about. We that love stuff. talking about it, but you guys have probably all know about that. So yeah, yeah, we're gonna get into. You want to talk about the extra biblical? Extra biblical. Yeah, these are really cool. Can we start with Abraham's descendants kill Nimrod? Yeah. yeah. Right. So this is out of the book of Jasher. So it says this dream is recorded in the ancient book of Jasher. See if you can see if you can understand what it means. So I'll read it because I don't think it's in a King James type language. (laughs) (laughs) And at the expiration of two years from Abram's going out of the fire, that is in the 52nd year of his life, beholding King Nimrod sat in, in Babel upon the throne. And the king fell asleep and dreamed that he was standing with his troops and hosts in a valley opposite the king's furnace. 
And he lifted up his eyes, and he saw a man in the likeness of Abram coming forth from the furnace, and that he came and he stood before the king with his drawn sword, and he sprang to the king with his sword. When the king fled from the man, for he was afraid, and while he was running, the man threw an egg upon the king's head, and the egg became a great river. And the king dreamed that all his troops sank in that river and died. And the king took flight with three men who were, bef- who were before him, and he escaped. And the king looked at these men, and they were clothed in princely dresses as the garments of kings, and had the appearance and majesty of kings. And while they were running, the river again turned to an egg before the king, and there came forth from the egg a young bird, which came before the king, and, he f- and flew at his head, and plucked out the king's eye. And the king was grieved at the sight, and he woke out of his sleep, and and his spirit was agitated, and he felt a great terror. That's from the ancient book of Jasher. It says, Nimrod was terrified by the dream. Notice in the following verses, Nimrod's servant, Anakai, is not a believer and fights against God, but because he believes in dreams, knows his, his knows the history of what happened, and knows Nimrod personally, he is able to piece together the interpretation very easily. Um, you want me to keep reading? Okay. And in the morning, the king rose from his couch in fear, and he ordered all of the wise men and the magicians to come before him. And the king related his dream to them. And the wise servant of the king, whose name was Anuki, answered the king, saying, This is nothing else but the evil of Abram and his seed, which will spring up against my Lord and and king in the latter days. And behold, the day will come when Abram and his seed and the children of his household will war with my king, and they will smite all the king's hosts and his troops. And as to what thou hast said concerning three men, which which thou didst see like unto thyself, and which did escape, this means that only thou will escape with three kings from the kings of the earth, who will be with thee in the battle. And that which thou sawest in the river, which turned to an egg as at first, and the young bird plucking out thine eye, this means nothing else but the seed of Abraham, which will slay the king in latter days. This is my king's dream, and it is this is its interpretation, and the dream is true, and the interpretation which thy servant has given thee is right. That's from the ancient book of Jasher as well. The egg of Abraham is the seed or son of Abraham, but was it fulfilled? And was it Isaac or Esau? Sometime after Abraham's death, his grandson Esau killed Nimrod with the sword. Notice the the beak of the bird thrust thrust into his eye. Esau killed him with the thrust of a sword. That's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, are you going to read the the section? I I think it's all right. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens. Yeah. The the Book of Jasher goes into detail about the fight with, with him and Nimrod and uh, and uh, how they fight, and he kills yeah. them. So I thought th- we can maybe wrap it up after this, but yeah. this was so cool that I, I really uh, got a lot out of it. And it, 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 this just gives so much more context and amazement. And, uh, again, well, if this is actually true. Right, right. Because this is extra biblical, so I'm not putting it on the same footing of what – you know the Bible actually says, right? Um, 
but I'll just read it, uh, this well, part. Can I just make one sure, statement? Sure. What's really nice about extra biblical material, which would be even like the works of Josephus um, or like right. Eusebius, which we were just reading, is it does f- um, help to fill in the gaps exactly. of the stories. Yeah. So that's all I want to say. Yeah. Oh, no, no, it's true. Yeah. It, uh, so this talks about the dreams of the Persian king and the Magi, which are which are the same magi that come and visit Jesus, you know, that travel all this far. Um, So here we go. At the time of the birth of Jesus, the king of Persia had a dream that the one true God had incarnated as foretold of of old. They then gave the account of the magi's visit and finding Jesus in more detail to the warning that the angel gave them when they left. The biblical account of this section in this chapter, sorry, blah, 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 so it says, History of the Persian Magi. Ancient church father Julius Africanus, who lived from AD 160 to 240, recorded the Magi's own account of the Star of Bethlehem and Christ's birth. So he presumably, and it talks about, he either got it, again, firsthand, secondhand from the actual Magi, which is, again, filling in some cool spots. Julius wrote that Cyrus commanded a temple be built in Juno. In this temple were many idols of various gods and goddesses made out of gold and silver with all sorts of precious stones. In this temple, or this temple also contained a hall of records. These Persian historical public records revealed that the king woke one night from a strange dream. He went to the temple of Juno to inquire of the priests there. In his dream, the idols in the temple were all arguing because the statue of the goddess Page was found wearing a diadem with a carb- carbuncle and emerald on top. A star came down from heaven and rested on the two stones of the diadem for a time, and then went further and seated itself on the underside of the diadem. A voice from heaven spoke, saying, quote, The mighty sun will come to you and be, be born of you, he who created this world below and all things therein. He is the beginning and the end, the beginning of salvation and the end of perdition, end quote. Then the statue of the god Dionysus stated, Our time is over. He who is before all things has come into the realm of men, and we are merely deceivers. At once all the idols fell down and were no more. The magi, or the wise men, who were skilled in astronomy and dream interpretation, stated that the goddess Page was a queen worshipped in ancient times and was long since dead and buried, but she was also the personification of the constellation Virgo, the Virgin. The diadem, in the way it was described, represented the country of the Jews, for they are made of twelve tribes. The emerald and carbuncle are two of the precious stones found in the breastplate of the Jewish high priest's ephod. They represented the tribes of Levi and Judah, which in turn were known to represent priesthood and kingship. The star coming down from the heavens is none other than the deity himself, the creator of all things. They then brought out an old scroll which contained a prophecy about the birth of a king marked by a new star. Church Father Origen stated that the Magi had a copy of the prophecy of Balaam, found in Numbers 24 about the star coming out of Jacob. It was given to them by a great by the great sage Daniel after the time of Cyrus's taking of the kingdom. Origen also stated that historical records indicated that the Magi were not Chaldeans but Persians. You want hmm. me to keep reading or? Yeah, that's cool. 
The Magi remarked that a star had just appeared. The advice the Magi gave to the king was to send a delegation to Jerusalem, which was the capital of Israel, to inquire about the new virgin-born Jewish divine king. The king did exactly that. He sent a delegation of Magi who had studied the Jewish religion and had come to believe in their, secret in their sacred writings. The rest of what followed is in the record is the Magi's own words as to what they found. Quote, when we came to Jerusalem, the sign of the star, together with our arrival, roused all the people. They said, why are the Persian wise men here, and what is this strange stellar phenomenon? <laughs> the chief of the Jews interrogated us by asking, for what purpose have you come here? And we said, because he whom you call Messiah has been born. They did not believe us, but they did not dare to accuse us of anything. But they said to us, by the justice of heaven, tell us what you know about this matter. We answered them, You do not truly believe in him, nor would you believe us, even if we swore an oath. You follow your own heedless counsel, because the Christ, the Son of the Most High, is born, and he is the subverter of your law and synagogues. That is why you are acting like you have been stuck with a dart and are bitter when you hear his <laughs> name and see that we have suddenly come here because we truly do believe. That's so awesome. We truly we do, do believe. believe. These guys, not even, not Jews, not, obviously not Christians, just right. came out. Well, they're totally, about to be Christians. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then they took counsel together, urged us to accept their gifts and tell, no, tell to no one that such an event had occurred in their land because it may cause the people to revolt against them. But we replied, we have brought gifts in his honor with a view of proclaiming those mighty things which we have witnessed in our country on the occasion of his birth. And you dare to bribe us to conceal the things which the, which the divinity who is above the heavens has communicated to us and neglect the commandments of our proper king. And after reconsidering, they gave the matter up. And when the king of Judea sent for us and put to us certain questions, we acted in the same manner until he was thoroughly enraged at our replies. We left accordingly without giving any greater heed to him than any other common person. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, we came to a place then to which we were sent and saw the mother and the child and the star indicating us to the royal babe. And we said to the mother, what is your name, O renowned mother? And she said, Mary, sirs. And we said to her, where are you from? And she replied, from this district of the Bethlehemites. Then we said, do you have a husband? And she answered, I was only betrothed when a certain Sabbath dawned. At the rising of the sun, an angel appeared to me, bringing me suddenly the glad tidings of a son. And in trouble, I cried out, be it not so to me, Lord, for I have not a husband. And he persuaded me to believe that by the will of God, I should have this son. Then s said we to her, Mother, mother, all of the lords of Persians have called you blessed. Your glory is great, for you are exalted above all women of renown, and you are shown to be more queenly than all queens. The child was sitting on the ground, being, as she said, in his second year, and having in part the likeness of his mother. She had long hands and a body somewhat delicate, and her color was that of ripe wheat. <laughs> long hands, too. Long hands and ripe wheat. She had a round face and her hair bound up. We, we brought along with us a servant who was, skillful, was a skillful painter, and he painted a portrait of them both, which we brought back to us and placed in our temple. Hmm. 
it is inscribed to Jove the Son, the mighty God, the King Jesus, the power of Persia dedicated this. Wow. And taking the child up, each of us in turn, and bearing him in our arms, we saluted him and worshipped him, and presented to him gold, myrrh, and frankincense, addressing him thus, We gift you with your own, O Jesus, ruler of heaven, and no other way would things unordered be ordered, were you not at hand. In no other way could things heavenly be brought into conjunction with things earthly, but by your descent. Such service cannot be discharged. If only the servant is sent us, as when the master himself is present, neither can so much be achieved when the king sends only his satraps to war, as when the king is there himself. It became the wisdom of your system that you should deal in this matter with men. And the child leaped and laughed at our caresses and words. And when we had bidden the mother farewell, and when she had shown us honor, and we had testified to her the reverence which became us, we came again to the place in which we lodged. That evening there appeared to us one of a terrible and fearful countenance, mm. saying, Get out quickly, lest you be taken in a snare. And in terror we said, Who, O divine leader, could plot against a so heavily armed convoy? And he replied, Herod, but get up straightway and depart in safety and peace. So we immediately departed and brought back home this record of what happened in Jerusalem and of Christ our Savior, who was made known as both God and man. To him be the glory and power upon the ages of all ages. Amen. That's awesome. Yeah. I just love that, like, A, so there's a there was a painting yes. of Jesus as a baby. Yeah. Well, you don't know where my mind went after that. It's a painting with him and his mother. Yeah. So Catholics have it. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of it, that. As yeah. soon as I started reading that, I was like, "Oh gosh!" I remember the the Catholics would love this. The goddess of all, the mothers of queen all mothers, the queen of all queens. Yeah, you know, but, they still they still said she looked like wheat. <laughs> <laughs> she long had long hands, hands. long hands, uh, round face, and wheat skin. Yeah. So, um, I, the one thing that was interesting about that too was they gave a detail about him being two years old, right? And, um. When Herod gave the order to kill all the he, it says in the Gospels that it was everyone two and under. Mm -hmm. So all the baby males two and under when Herod killed all them, and it, it makes sense why Herod be so in, enraged if they talk to him that way, right? You know, here he is this vassal. Anyways, he's not even a king, a real king of Israel because Rome was occupying. Right. So he was put in place there to try and be some kind of like mediator for the Jews to try and keep them from revolting. And then he has goes to his head all this power, and then he finds out that the Messiah is born while well, he's king, which means he's now reduced down yet another level, right? right? So uh, if I were him, I would have been like, "Heck yeah, the king's here. That means that means I want to serve him. I might have a part in his court right. when he runs when he runs out the Romans, you know? Yeah. Uh, but he was too he was too arrogant to think otherwise. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's so cool. I love like the fleshing out, but again, and then their dream, the the, the, magi, the boat dream at the, the beginning and at the end. Yeah, you know, the, the, so it started off with an interpretation, and again, just like the one, the other ones we were talking about with the non-Jews or, you know, uh, Absalom. Oh, Abimelech, uh, Abimelech, and yeah. uh, Pilate's wife. Yeah, again, pagans. These guys, pagans. Right. And, and they had a dream or they interpreted the dream of the king 
a pagan king had this dream and then he came and the sages who were known for interpreting dreams came and said this is what it is right this is our now here's the thing yeah remember how we talked about mature know the word of god so daniel set up the magi Mm-hmm. And that was part of his thing when he was in Babylon. He sat up. He set up the entire Magi system. Oh, that's there, right, 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 and he yeah, ruled over. Yeah. So he would have been training them to look for the signs of Messiah right. while they're in Babylon, right? Because mm-hmm. they're in captivity. He knew that God was going to rescue them out of captivity. He knew that the Messiah would come. So he was just teaching them what because he was so godly, right? right. Daniel was this godly man, and, and so he was teaching them. So those Magi were trained by. Daniel, Daniel, or at yeah. least influenced by his teaching. They're in the school that Daniel set up. Yeah, the school of the Magi, Yeah, which is crazy to think about, that God put his secret agent in there. Right. You know, But through dreams, God mm-hmm. instituted all of these things. And there's so many dreams surrounding the birth of Jesus, too. Yeah. Mary, Joseph having a dream, right. warning them to leave, the Magi. I mean, there's just so many dreams surrounding his birth and his first coming. Yeah. It's kind of cool. So... Obviously, dreams are important to God. Yeah. He uses them quite a bit. He does. It's like his direct line to... Uh, right. <laughs> S- second direct line. Right. First one being the Bible. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, what I guess what I was saying was like... Oh, a, a, um, super personalized? Yeah, and you think about the way that God... Like, just think about those dreams right there. One is to get them to move to go fulfill something. The other mm-hmm. one was to leave because of a warning of danger. Yeah. So, like, the ways that God uses the dreams... To move his people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah so that's kind of cool, too, to think about. Yeah. But, and but yeah, I, like, and I just had to say personally, like, when we were talking about doing this episode on dreams, yeah. we mentioned it a while ago, it was, you know, but then we were starting to, when we kind of, like, put it on the calendar and we started mm-hmm. to, like, really start to say, okay, here's a target, we're going to, we're going to do this episode I experienced personal spiritual warfare in like a massive way. And that's how I knew we were supposed to do this episode. Spiritual warfare coming through a dream. dream. Through a dream. Someone had a dream. Someone had a dream. And they shared it with me. And I think that was a – so just, you know, I don't want to get any any details at all about the dream. But I think what it was is that they were spiritually immature. And the dream was probably not from God. Right. And they didn't discern – and so they shared it with me when they shouldn't have shared it with me just because and that's the other thing too like one thing to think <laughs> about like if you ha- if you are a person who has dreams you need to wait before you go share like if you have a dream about somebody mm-hmm. or something you know and that re- would would affect someone else's life you need to hold off and just pray and make sure that you're supposed to even share that with them because it may be that God's giving you that dream so that you can pray for them because there's maybe you're the intercessor mm-hmm. or maybe it's just so that you can be aware of what's going on in their life and maybe they'll talk to you about it later and then you'll have insight and you can give them godly counsel. Yeah, um, There's a whole plethora of things. But I, I personally experienced a massive spiritual attack through a dream. Yeah. And I was like, I remember when you and I went, we went to get something to eat and I was sharing with you and I was like, man, it's just so weird. And, and like how it all played out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I mean, God, and here's the thing is like the use of the dream, right? Like God used that dream, what it, how it affected me, um, to work in my life personally, to mature me, to bring me into a greater trust of him and some other things. Yeah. It's like, uh, 
he knew just using this as an example specific example is again god knew that this woman was gonna say it yeah and you know he's gonna use the outcome of that of something that's bad right for his good right he can always because same thing happened to me i you know i have stuff like this all the time that people say to me that they probably shouldn't say. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, that I really wish I could have gone my life without (laughs) hearing that and not a dream in particular, but you know, stuff just in general. Um, but he can turn all things good to him. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, he has no problem with that. Right. I mean, if he's in control of everything, that's just more proof of his complete control of all of everything. Yeah. I just thought of something Um, is much in the same way that you said, you know, uh, to pray about a dream if you have about someone else. Um, There's also the the, the sign of being a mature Christian of hearing something is uh, because Ken actually at the the end of this book, uh, he goes into dreams that he had. Yeah. And there's one in particular and uh, that some woman came up to him. I think that's what I was getting confused. Uh, the woman came up to him and said, hey, I've had this dream about you. I don't know what it means. And he was like, oh, I was planning on marrying this girl. Right. And uh, the dream wasn't about marriage, but she uh, had said, you know, there, there, there's some covenant or, you know, this dream about an oath. Yeah. Because you said, I thought it was about beer, but it's about something else. And, uh, and she said, like, I had been praying about this. And it remained that I had to tell you, like there was time that went past, yeah, like making sure, because again, in that particular instance, God knew that it was a big deal. Like this guy, Ken, Ken talks about this is he was falling in love with this girl and thinking about marriage. That's obviously a very touchy subject right. that you just don't want to go in there. Um, but it does say that this woman just kept saying, you know, I was praying about it and I really feel that like the Lord is telling me to do that. So as someone, uh, not me, not me, not me being as someone, but if you are a person that does get something, you know, like sit on, even if it's a good thing too. Yeah. Yeah. Is that's what I was getting at is always pray for the discernment. Cause you don't want to go out there. If you do have some dream, that's a good thing. Um, so if you receive and, someone telling you a dream, like, Oh, I had a dream about you. You want to re- even sit on that and like, just don't let it, like especially if it's something that you've been right. hoping for or yeah. praying about or wanting like a marriage or yeah. a job or something big in your life um you might want to just kind of hold it with a loose hand mm-hmm. um and especially if it's good mm-hmm. um if it's bad if it's a bad dream then i would pray earnestly about it like what does that mean lord yeah. is that for me were they hearing you was that dream from right, you exactly um because satan will and demons will um, give dreams to people at times, to, mm-hmm. you know, they'll invade their dream life and uh, make, th- they are deceptive. So they may, you may think that what you have is from God when it's not from God. And I mean, even to just go back into another kind of related topic with this is the DMT, you know, like there's an interesting, right. uh, if you, I think some of it has been a psyop that yeah. was, has been taken on because, I think I've talked about this. I've done ayahuasca. I've never done DMT, but I've done ayahuasca before. Yeah. A couple of times. Uh, not in the proper 
like, <laughs> not what you're supposed to do. Right. And it's like definitely fasted and cleanse yourself and all that stuff. Yeah, with like yeah. a shaman right. and it's, uh, for spiritual purposes. We just did it to trip. And it is not fun. I'll tell you anyone this. First, for the first hour, you have the most intense, like, stomach pain. Hmm. You throw up and you poop. Interesting. And then you just trip for like six hours. But it's like the most ridiculously insane trip. But <laughs> the whole point of what I'm getting to with the dreams and the demons and all this stuff is that like uh, there's this guy, Terrence McKenna, who was the first person he wrote in the 70s uh, <laughs> yeah. about mushrooms and DMT and all these things about the spirit realm. Yeah. And he was the first one to talk about um, the mechanical elves yeah. and the DMT experience. And I think the psyop is like Joe Rogan talked about like, oh, I saw those elves too. I believe that he probably did. Yeah. But you hear all these other people. That's all you hear about is it's like the these elves. machine elves yeah. or whatever. Um, I didn't see machine elves. And I know there's a lot of other people who didn't see them. And now I'm not saying there's any one particular kind of being, but a lot of people all say they see the same thing. Yeah. Regardless. I think that DMT is like those beings, like when you, when I, when you trip, particularly with that DMT, any kind of super intense, like everything feels more real than real. Right. Like it feels like a downgrade. Like you're going back to, you're going from when you like come down from the 16K trip. Right. to coming back here is like you're in one, 140, right. <laughs> 140p, like oh, a gosh. YouTube video oh, from 2004 right. Um, <laughs> in comparison. But those spirit beings or whatever it is, you know, they're always presented as some good thing in the spiritual realm. And... That's where you get these new age people where they're all like, oh, they're like so enlightened and they tell they're me these spirit things. guides. They're these know? spirit guides. And again, much in the same way that I talked about uh, this book with UFOs, that all the UFO aliens. Yeah. Uh, I talked about Jacques Vallée's book, Messengers of Deception. Right. She yeah. interviewed all these different abductee cults that started off out of UFO cults. Is they're all like socialist they all hate, like, freedom. They want everyone to be gay and, like, all this stuff. Same thing with these demons that inhabit other realms. They're all in this very free, like, you know, they do challenge you at some times. They'll, like, be insightful. But they all, like, have the same kind of, they do the same kind of things right. in this other realm. Familiar things, yeah. Right. But they never masquerade as, like bad it's like this is for your own good i'm teaching you this higher realm of things so again if that's what happens when you're on dmt or you're doing drugs to go to this place and interact with these beings and if that's i believe that that realm is the same i think that's the spiritual realm that it has access 100%. with, dream, with yeah. dreams yeah those are the things that also come through and would tell you stuff in your dreams yeah so, yeah, I agree. I think it's all connected. Yeah, yeah. I would love. I, I mean, uh, it'd be interesting to, if you had enough coherence in your DMT trip. If you saw the al the uh, elves that you would say to them, "Are you a demon?" If they would have to reveal themselves, I would have to look into that. Yeah, it what was interesting about. I don't want to go too much into it, but I kept like, for me, uh, 
the first couple times, I kept going back to the same place, and they remembered me from the last time. Mm. They're like, oh, that's so weird. you're dude. back. Let's continue this conversation. Like, and it was like I didn't leave. Like you, it, yeah, it was like... Like, it went right back to the could same have spot. Been, could have been a month, but it was... Yeah, like, for them, was, there was no time. Wow. Or, I mean, there was, hey, you're back. Right. But there was, like... And those were the elves, or this, they weren't the elves? You didn't no, see No, they weren't. They weren't elves. It was... It was at a dinner party. <laughs> I so was at, people? I was at this party. No, they weren't people, but it was, I don't know if I would call them elves, but they were, these entities, it was just at this. Did they have like faces and stuff? Yeah. Do you, yeah. It's crazy. You don't want to share? No. I mean, they had oh. weird faces that just. Would they morph and stuff? Or? Yeah. Like everything's moving. It's. it's oh, that's crazy. It's yeah, really I've hard. never tripped like that. So I don't know. So no, no, no. It's I know. all it's, foreign to me. Yeah. It's hard to describe. It looks like the just geometric shapes and patterns and everything's changing and oh wow. It's it's crazy. That's a thing that I've heard too. Yeah. On that like that's a similar Yeah, and it's like like uh, um things become like when you it's almost like you remember when the matrix when um mm-hmm. Neo saw the ones and yeah. the ones and two zeros or whatever uh like that like that's a like a really bad way to describe like how like what people see with people yeah. like almost like they're transparent and they can see like outlines of them but with geometric patterns and things yeah i mean you see colors that like don't colors, exist right no but i mean like that i can't imagine that like aren't real like how do you like your, shapes. your eyes can't even like natural eye can't pick up those that no, range like, of I don't need, yeah it, it's just the spectrum is it's beyond. Cra- oh you know what's a good one Doctor Who, or Doctor uh, Strange, when he like first goes through like the multiverse thing, I think in the original one. Okay. There's like, do they some do a DMT? DMT. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some like things where he's flying through these. Uh, I, I don't watch the Marvel movies. Right. I just remember he gets like. Sh- there's some point in time where he, there's like this two minute montage of him going through different planets or okay. yeah. universes. There's a couple in there that are like, dude, that's pretty DMT. So they probably borrowed that from people's experiences. Yeah. yeah. Um, but my whole, the whole point is going back to this one particular place that all people seem to go to Yeah, is this shared, you know, uh, play realm. Yeah. So I think it's one realm that everyone's, you know, gotcha. the dreams. And so. Wow. Bro, well, this has been a long one, dude. It's been almost two hours. We've—I think this might be the longest podcast we've ever done. I could keep going without a guess. There's so much. That's what I was saying. It's such yeah. a vast topic. I mean, we haven't even touched on interpretations of things too right. much. I mean, there's Speci- yeah, there's a lot there. But um, so maybe we'll do a follow up or something like that. I mean, it's we've gone two hours. I don't know if we have to, but we'll see. We'll think about it. I don't know if I'm up for more spiritual fights though. Um, <laughs> I didn't like that. Yeah. That, that episode that was not fun so yeah um but i pray that um our listeners and if you've stuck with us this long at uh, for uh, two hours that if you we hope that this helps you um at some level and that um that you have amazing dreams from god and yeah. that um all your dreams come true <laughs> <laughs> well i mean <laughs> maybe it, not <laughs> well it, uh he places uh what is the thing that he fulfills, he fills, fulfills all our uh Wants and he played so wants that oh it, God gives you the desires of your heart and he he's the one that places so he, the desires in this. yeah not only does so, he place the desire in your heart but he also fulfills it because he placed it there yeah 
So, but same. Acts two, Acts chapter two, your young men will dream dreams, your old men will, will have, see visions, and I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. So, you know, this is all part of yeah us in the kingdom. Yeah. So, so. <clears throat> maybe I just say as some distillations of it, dreams are biblical. They're very important. They can be, yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with praying for good dreams. Yep. You can learn to get better at dreams. Just a real easy way is to write them down. Keep a record. Keep a record next to your bed. Yep. Put some notes, the date, what's going on with your life. Yep. Um, and you'll get better at it. Pray for it. And uh, stay in the word and stay in prayer so that you can be better at interpreting yep. dreams. Um, talk about them with trusted friends that aren't involved in the dream necessarily. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, use discernment if you do have what you believe to be a dream f- given to you to tell someone else. Mm-hmm. Obviously do that. Um, use discernment. Pray about it. Don't go out rushing and saying. Yeah. Slow it down. Slow it down. And uh, keep an open hand if someone gives you a dream. So yeah. if someone has a dream about you and it's something cool or whatever, keep having an open hand. Let God yeah. fulfill that and don't don't change your life to try and make the dream come true. Right. God God is capable of doing all that. Yeah. And at the same time, don't uh don't go too crazy. I'll say at the same time. Don't like like over spiritualize over spiritualize it yeah. or interpret every single thing and spend hours and dragging into right. oh well does this really mean I do want to have sex with my mom or not like you right. know <laughs> like I gotta throw one last dig at uh, Freud in <laughs> there I was gonna say the last one was don't have sex with your mom um, <laughs> with dreams but yeah don't over like God will if it's important for you and He wants to speak to you or give you information through your dream yeah. You'll understand it. You'll have the interpretation. It'll come through the Bible, through trusted friends. He he will get across what he wants to That's get right. across to you. So don't stress it. He's That's histo- what I'm trying to say. He's historically done it. So yeah. what do you have to worry about? Yeah. Yeah. With the Messiah. So Don't don't stress it. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. It's been awesome, epic, and fun. So we will catch you next time. I love you. <laughs>